So today's conversation started with a conversation. Well, they usually do, Scott. Yeah, I guess, but this is what family gardeners do while partying on the 4th of July. talking work when we were enjoying the holiday? I don't know, but what did it, it came up. The well, subject the reason came it up. came up was we were talking cut flowers and stuff, and there was this white stuff that was meandering around in your yard, and we were a little confused. There's no white stuff in the my flower. yard. The flower. What flower? That's what we're going to. I don't have this flower in my yard. Well, somebody does. Well, quit making my yard. One week you make it sound great. The next week I've got poison all over my yard. Well, how did, did we even address it as poison? Not no. yet, and that's why we're going to talk about we're it. We're talking Queen Anne's Lace versus Poison Hemlock, and they almost look identical. Yeah, and we'll get there. Okay. But, but first, well, the, we have the, an third, expert. We, the third party in our conversation is my brother-in-law, John. Well, he's the expert too. He is. I mean, I, he, I, he's got I, the. De- I, he's I, in, I, now, see, John's interjecting now. See? Yeah, he says he doesn't. He's not the expert. I'm. I'm not a fucking expert. Oh yeah, okay. we forgot to give a warning also beforehand. Yeah, John and he, John is very colorful. <laughs> he speaks a lot of French. Yeah. Now, what does that mean? It means the same thing in English. <laughs> Anyhow, um, but J- Johnny will say he's not an expert, but I, he's got. He's got, what is it, applied science degree in turf management and landscape? That's what it is. Yes. All right, let's introduce John J. Sullivan. John, how are you, sir? I'm doing all right. Thank you. The reason Scott and I asked you on board was because you're well-versed on this, the difference between two critters, the either the hemlock, poison hemlock, or the Queen Anne's lace. And you've done extensive research. I've seen your paperwork. Come on. <laughs> I, I mean, not really. No. So let's finish this, or let's have this discussion like we did around the picnic table. But before the other we day. do that, oh, I'll, that's right. I want to. I want to talk something. All right, everybody. So Mike, uh, this is important too. Yeah, but Mike was slamming my housekeeping for the past couple of episodes, and what does he come in today? Oh, I've got housekeeping to do. Let's do some housekeeping before Johnny talks. Do I feel like I'm being belittled? No. With a capital B, baby. Okay, that stands for other stuff, too. But anyways, there's Beatles out there. All right, so what's your housekeeping, Mike? The reason housekeeping right now, you're noticing things. The really shiny, pretty, jade-looking beetles that are meandering around. They're either on your rose bushes or on your marijuana plants. It doesn't matter. They're flying around all over the place. And they're a nuisance. But it's not just the Japanese beetle. It is also the European chafer. It's a brown beetle, the June bug. And there's all sorts of them out there right now. 90% of them are going to do damage to any of your garden, vegetable gardens or flower gardens. Now, I'm going to ask people, stay alert, but what are you going to do about it? I mean, are you going to get a beetle bag for it? No, we are. No, we're, yes, we are. And we're putting it in the neighbor's yard. You do learn well. All right. <laughs> All right. No, you're not getting a beetle bag for it unless you want to put it in the neighbor's property. Number two, there are products out there that you can apply to it to control it. Now, Johnny even brought us Spinosad, which is um, a derivative of the rum. Um, rum? Somebody said rum? R-U-M, yeah. It's okay. uh, the, the rum distilling process out of Jamaica, but it's a natural insecticide that people are using on that. 
and it'll knock them out, no problem. I don't know if it gets them drunk and they overdose and then they fall off. But then there's other stuff too, like pyrethrin that you can use that's pre-mixed. There's canola oil or even the, well, any of the oils that they have mixed in with the pyrethrin that'll knock it out. The final product is, is if you really have an infestation, do not use any systemic insecticides. The systemics are going to allow the insect to eat, so you're still going to get the holes in the leaves and in the plant, and you're going to have your pretty flowers already devoured. I'm going to recommend you use a contact killer. You can go anywhere, like I said, from spinosad to um, pyrethrin to even something a little bit more, not toxic, but carbaryl, which is seven. It's the least toxic of all the synthetic insecticides. And the last one is going to be malathion. But always read the label. Do it in the early evening hour. Do not burn the plant because you do it in the middle of the day, it's going to scorch it. And it's going to cause more problems. So for us weekend warriors, those are all chemical names that are in a product. Right. Uh, so you need to tell us what, what may be just a generic name that I'm looking on the shelf. Fertilome has it. Um let me see uh, the bare products that are out there. I mean, malathion is a generic product that you can find either from, um, it's a bonite malathion, 55%. And that, and that, isn't that one more of a concentrate? That's the concentrate. Where you need Always to put it in a sprayer. You will not find malathion unless you got it in the home and orchard spray, which is a combination of the fungicide, the insecticide, which is malathion. Um, but in the meantime, the only way that you're really going to find it is in a concentrate. Always follow the label recommendations and do it in the early evening hour on any of those. Because if you do it in the middle of the day, we get up to 90 plus degree temperatures. It's going to burn. It's going to scorch. So it's going to be counterproductive. Do it early evening hour. Get it on the leaves of the plant. It'll ward the insects away. If there's insects on there, it's going to knock them out. And some of those beetles are the last year's baby grubs, right? That's right. And you know where those grubs come from. Don't listen to those people about putting down any of that what. People are promoting milky spore. It's only going to control the grub. And it's only going to control the Japanese beetle grub. It's not going to control the European chafer or any of the other uh, beetles around there. It's only going to control the Japanese beetle grub. So to help your plants, apply merit to your lawn. Or apply have, it this or year have it for applied. next year. But see, that's not going to prevent any of those insects from coming over from the neighbor's yards. No, but you're going to help decrease. Oh, well, yeah. Your, and it's going to make your, your lawn, lawn look won't pretty. get messed up. It'll look pretty. Did I give any of the information out that I think is necessary for right now? Absolutely. Beetles are out, especially wait, wait. the Can Japanese I have a second beetle. opinion, Johnny? Is everything he said correct? He shrugs his shoulders. Sure. <laughs> it's not TV, it's this radio. It's radio. <laughs> we need. <laughs> <laughs> need to hear the voice, Johnny. Did he say everything was correct? No, he's got a point. You know, even though you do that stuff, you're still going to get collateral damage from surrounding neighbors. Stuff. Say your neighbor doesn't do any, you know, thing to take care of his or her property. You're going to get the effects from, well, whether it's a fungus or a bug, you still are going to get it. So, again. Yeah. But on the other hand, it's nice knowing you've done what you've done or I've, could do. What did I do? applied merit to your lawn and oh, to help you, you, curb you curb what you can you can yeah that's a percentage of of the the insects that are out there and you're being very 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 culturally controlling meaning that you're not going to control the neighbor's property you're going to control yours and if it comes your direction get a beetle bag and put it in their property i still love that one all right all right today's show who do we got with us today well you already introduced johnny i know john you want to say hello again 
Hi. No, boy, he's really <laughs> enthused. John and I and Scott were talking, like he said, about uh, a certain thing that was really on our minds for quite some time. When you see this lacy little flower, it's a white flower, a circular, has a, a very, very pretty stalk and, and fern-like leaf to it. Um, we assume that that's going to be nice cutting material to put in, let's say you're cutting flowers that people grow, and they put it in there. Now, I was looking for a little parsley to put on your hot dog just to make it look nice. Why would you put parsley in a hot dog? I know, but since it looks like parsley because this stuff is a carrot family, people you did your research. People mistake it for parsley. They do. This they is why do. this is a warning show. It this is. is nothing a, but a warning. Pay attention. If you haven't paid much attention to any of these, this one we're going to recommend you really, really do. And the reason we brought John on board, John has done some extensive research as to, you have, John, <laughs> as to what to look for to tell the difference between poison hemlock, the wild carrot, and or Queen Anne's lace. John, can you basically give us a little information as to the difference between the three? Well, I think it, it's pretty simple. There's two things with identifying whether it's Queen Anne's lace or the hemlock. Queen's Anne's lace has the fuzzy, hairy stems, and the hemlock has purple spots on its stem. Okay, when you say fuzzy, hairy stems, it's kind of like a lady that's gone weeks without shaving their legs? Sure. Okay, it looks just like that. It's very fine, very furry, very fuzzy. But let's go on. Now, um, Now is that's the, the Queen Anne's lace or the hemlock? Just the Queen Anne's lace has the hair. Okay, we're replacing emphasis. Then the purple is on the hemlock. Okay. It looks splotchy. Splotchy. Purple purple spots. On the stalk itself. Yes. And the Queen Anne's lace does not have any of that. Correct. Nor does the wild carrot. I mean... I don't know. All I know is that between the two... Yeah. You were the one telling us about the carrot, Mike. Well, okay, the wild carrot. I did it. I was really an idiot because this was... I want to say, what, uh, five, seven years ago, I'm helping this gentleman that's called the Urban Farmer look in town here, and we've got this white flower going around with a fern-like leaf to it, and I'm going, oh, this is cool. This this is called wild carrot. So we pulled it out, and it's got a really heavy and deep root base to it. It didn't want to give give way. And it's it's white or creamy in color. So we cut off a piece, and I go, oh, this is going to be good. You know, we didn't even think twice about it. Once I had it in my mouth and chewing, I'm going, it doesn't taste good. Didn't taste like a carrot. I'm thinking, oh, my, I'm wondering if we're being poisoned or not. Yeah, Mike, don't do that again. Um, Thank you, John. And this is pay heed. Please do not do this at home. No, if you don't know what the shit is, don't. I mean, that's crazy. Bingo! That is absolutely stupid. Why does somebody do that? Because I'm earthy Michael Rourke again, you know, that's going, um organic on everything i mean going cultural methods of control versus you know let's say standard insecticides or pesticides hey we'd like to thank black diamond garden centers for sponsoring your midwest garden we record this podcast on site at the toledo location amidst all the smells of budding flowers the manures the chicken schmutz you name it if you're in the Toledo or Perrysburg, Ohio area, please stop by either Black Diamond location for all your gardening needs. And remember, ask someone who knows. Now, John, do you have any idea why we have so much of this hemlock around? What can you attribute it to? Well, we think that 
advocating of mowing, etc. Um, the seeds get on mower decks. They get transported by the equipment when from one area to another. So, are we saying? You mean the homeowners doing this? Well, I don't. So Scott made a good point. Typically, you see the it's getting really worse around railroad right away. Yes, it is. So mm-hmm. usually that either they're spraying or they're mowing. Well, they, uh, they've they've converted a lot of these places into bike paths, bike trails, correct? Yeah. And you've got the municipalities that are out there mowing. Well, so you almost have to mow it because these things can get six, eight, ten feet tall. You can't weed whack them down because the stalks are so tough. Yeah, they've got these 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 bush trimmers that the municipalities have that go in there and just go. But so it's it's a problem because if you do that and if the operator does not have goggles on and he's not protected correctly, so basically he's when they're mowing that stuff, they're atomizing all the. Toxins? All the oils in the, the stem of it, and it becomes airborne, and, you know, that's, well, and we're they mi- inhale it. We're missing the common theme here of it being by railroad tracks. You're talking about mowing. Let's just talk about, yes, it has to be disturbed, but the trains, it's probably, that stuff's probably floating, hits the train, and the train moves it down the tracks and starts another set of growth okay that and you know the critters that are on board too i mean so you're saying the human element is basically influencing the amount of well johnny and i were looking at because johnny said it's only been like the past 30 years 40 years that it's been an issue and we're like why is that so we started doing some research and the only thing we can figure out is humans yeah yeah, you're going to see them on the outer perimeter of woodlands. You're going to see them in ditches that they've, for, you know, dug for the drainage of farm fields. But the most of it, most of it, like John had stated, you're going to see it on these recreational things. I mean, where they've converted railroad tracks into bike paths, walk paths. Right. And I mean, like you said, John, that these things can get very, very tall, and they are tall. You're also going well, to well, and I'm sure that you know. They're adjacent to farm field right aways, ditches, etc. Um, so this is all according to this information we got from Joe Boggs from the Ohio State Extension Service. Wood County, yeah. Now he's been sharing that. Now that's big. Ben, it's like John, and not well, not only John, but you, Scott, have said it's been the last 30, 30 years. You're talking nineteen ninety. It's been accelerating. All the way up to now? Well, they so they say rogue plants remain relatively rare until around 30 years ago. Okay. Well, what do they recommend we do about it? I mean, honestly, if you've got paths where people in the community are going to be enjoying, you're, you're stuck between a rock and a hard spot. Not only do you have a toxin in a plant, but you've also got the toxins that are going to control it. Sometimes they need an antibiotic instead of aspirin. The interesting thing that I found was that most, nobody's telling you how to control it. No, they And aren't. they don't want you to burn it at all. For why? It be, I, I don't know. Because no it's oils. going to transport the oils okay. into so, the yeah. atmosphere. Right, okay. So similar to what Johnny was saying. Absolutely. So do not burn it at all. No. But... The reason why we're really talking about this are two things. A, we never really said what it does yet, and that's more, most of it is respiratory failure. And the other thing, the reason why we're really discussing this is 
basically to teach your kids or grandkids what this is and the difference is. So when they're out goofing around, out in the woods, playing with friends, playing army or whatever, that they don't like, oh, let me try some of this. So that's the real reason why we're bringing this up. Because, well, Johnny, who would you say that they were poison? You you could either die by firing squad or po- get poisoned. So or- this was, so the the poison hemlock is one of the, the deadliest non-native plants found in North America, but it's also the plant that Greeks used to kill Socrates as well as Greek statesman Thermines and Phocion. Socrates and Thermines. Socrates. Th- yes, and they did. I mean, it was chosen that way to, well, I don't know if it's any worse than, let's say, a firing squad or getting your head chopped off, but it's that toxic that they use it in, or used it. Well, listen, you know, poisoning's been, you know, thousands of years, right? I, I mean, this has got me not necessarily frightened, but we got to be able to identify really the difference between these. Is the flower the same as the hemlock? As the, and, uh, the, well, and this is why I'd lead into this, because the one thing I found on the Queen's Anne lace, so here's a difference for you. It has basically a single purple flower in the middle. Little itty bitty one? Yeah. And the folklore is, is that while Queen's Anne was making lace, she pricked her finger and a single drop of blood fell on it. I got it. So that's a nice folklore. So there's another identifier that we have. How big is that little shot? It's just one flower Micro little dot? One flower. Oh, really? In the, in the middle of that cluster. So you won't see that on the hemlock. Queen Anne's lace blooms much later in the season, not earlier. Than, than the hemlock. Correct. How long do they both stay bloomed? Blooming? I don't know. Well, at least he's an honest man. <laughs> All right. But is, is one cupped or flat? or I mean, and then there's things so, on the underside of it. Correct. So... The Queen Anne's lace is more flatter. It's and, flat. Yes. Okay. And the poison hemlock is more rounder. It gives more of a crescent shape or a, or a curve to it on the on the flower itself. Curve. Yeah. The hemlock. I'm, yeah. Yeah. More. More rounder. It's, it's got. Okay. How do we? Yeah. So we have the hairy stem for you queen, got the Queen's Anne lace. We have the the blood dot flower in the middle for Queen's Anne lace, and we have a flatter. It's more of a flat flower. Boom. But what are those things on the underside of it? All the brackets. What Now, which one has that? Well, they both have brackets for the flower, but there's a set of brackets on the Queen's Anne lace that lay underneath. Yeah. There's yeah. like there's it's like, almost a, like the there's like another box. Yeah, there's like another row of those brackets without flowers on them. Okay. Now that's the Queen Anne's lace. Queen's Anne lace. Not on the poison hemlock. Right. Okay. Correct. Now, now poison hemlock, no, Queen Anne's lace is an earlier bloomer. Queen Anne's lace got a drop of blood in the center of its flower, blue blood. Queen Anne's lace has got those, it's, it's more of a curve or a crescent. No, no. Queen's Anne oh, lace it's flat. is flat. And then it has those brackets on the base of the stalk underneath of the, to support, supposedly, the flower. No, not to support. It's it's two layers. 
it's still there are brackets underneath the flowering portion of both plants. Yeah. But on the queen's end, there's another row of just straight of naked three brackets bra- on there. Yes, sir. Okay. And it, it it has that purple stock on it, or not purple stock, but purple blotches on the stock. No, no, that's hemlock. All right. I at the risk of sounding totally ignorant, which I am, the Wild carrot has a fern leaf to it. The poison hemlock has a fern leaf to it. Queen Anne's lace has a fern leaf to it. Is there a variance in height difference? How tall will the poison hemlock get? About like six to ten foot tall. That tall? Yeah. I don't think the carrot nor the. Yeah, uh, I don't. I'm not sure how big the carrot get or the Queen Anne lace gets, but I don't think it's anywhere near. I've only seen it about three feet yeah. plus, but. Uh, I, and then the carrot is maybe that a little bit lower, but they all look alike as far as the foliage goes. But the- I, so I think my opinion, the takeaway is the two hairy stems on the Queen Anne lace, yeah, and the purple spots on the hemlock. Okay, are the big ones? Yeah. The well, okay. Identifiers, but now- you know, so but it gets convoluted because the hemlock is a biannual. It'll skip a year. Right. So I think first year it starts out as a rosette, really prostate, doesn't do anything. English. And then it starts out really tiny and just, you know. Really flat. Okay. Um, just all leaves. Okay. And then I think the next year it's what they call bolting. It gets, so the second year it'll get to be its. It's it's growth surge. Yes. For like a teenager yes. in puberty. All right. Well, okay. Does it have the second year of the flower on it? Yes. Okay. And then it delays after that's done that one year, then it holds off on the following season. So you may not see it the next season or notice it. So the problem is you're going to have you're going to have multiple life cycles of the plant in one area. So it's not like you're going to have okay. one area where the first year they're all the rosettes and then the second year they bolt uh, and then they put to seed. So you're going to have multiple saying. Yeah, so you're going to have one year versus that's going to be dormant while the other one is just accelerating. Does Queen Anne's Lace do the same thing? I don't know. I don't know. I think that's an annual. I didn't see that. I didn't see that. They don't know too much about this one. When I don't know. So I think you're, what you're going to have to do is you're going to ki- have to kill it all. Yeah, and that's what, now how you're going to propose doing that. Because if you, like you said, if they go out this with the hedgehogs and they go and beat the hell out of this, it's going to put all of this, you know. Spreading. Yes. let's say fragments in the air. Now that's going to be toxic to the applicator himself or the uh, mower. Plus the people that are surrounded by that area, because they're going to be walking on the bike paths. That's going to be totally infiltrated. Well, with I think, I think what you're going to have to do is be really aggressive with the spray program. They're doing it anyway. I mean, like I said, sometimes you need an antibiotic and when an aspirin won't, you know, do it. Well, and if you're doing that, one of the important things that I found also is there's five alkaloids that are the toxins in the plant. And they're on different parts of the plants, and they have different times of the season when they are in that part of the plant. Interesting. Now, so it's not like it's one toxin through the whole plant, and, you know, from May to June, you're don't touch it, and then anytime else you're safe. But kind of like poison ivy. Oh, I was just going to go there. Poison ivy, they tell you not to burn it because of the same reason. 
when you're burning that stuff, it, it, it doesn't knock out or sterilize the toxins that's in there. It just allows it to be aspirating and going out into the atmosphere and land on whomever, whatever, and however. I mean, a bird and a squirrel can transport it, too. So this has got multiple toxins in it, mm -hmm. and there's no real way of being able to identify this unless they have some type of biologist out there. Well, okay, Johnny made or alluded to you're going to have to be on some type of an extensive program. So it's going to take multiple years if this is prevalent in an area where you're really going to have to be Because diligent. of its being a biannual. Correct. And, you know, one thing we didn't talk about is one plant can put out, what, 30,000 seeds potentially? Yes. And these seeds, I think, are viable, you know, like from four to five years. I think the percentage is like 80%. Wow. So, so they're, they're recommending this, the second year um, is the time to eradicate this thing, either mowing or spraying in the spring. Well, who's going to identify this? That's a good point. I mean, honestly, I mean, you can't rely on just your standard Jim and Joe that goes out and mow. Not that I'm degrading um, what they do for a living. I'm just saying that identification isn't their job. And you've only got so many extension agents that can go ahead and identify. No, I get it. So a weed is a weed to a lot of people. Well, the definition of a weed, weed is, is any plant that's growing in a spot where it's not supposed to be. Bingo. All right. If you want a bluegrass to grow, that's fine. You got a dandelion. That's considered the weed. But if you're growing dandelions and you found some bluegrass in there, yes. that bluegrass is the weed. All right. Prioritizing. is that That's obviously going to be way down. Is that a county issue? Is that a state issue? Is that a municipality issue? I think it's all the above. Well, with these bike paths and with what's going on right now, I mean, when we're seeing this six plus feet in height, um, yeah, you're going to need to, I don't know what to do. Our best advice is to stay on your bike and don't breathe as you go by. That. <gasps> Hold yes. your breath. Well, no, it's because I did read that it says that it's only an issue if you disturb the yes. plants. Yeah, but they're going to, well. So don't disturb the plant and you're fine. Everybody lives Happily together. You're damned if you do and damned if you don't in this case. So they really don't know. All right. The, our intention right now with this program, with this segment, is to bring to the attention of everybody what Johnny's been stating. What is the priorities here? I mean, identification, eradication, and prevention? Well, no doubt people need to be aware of what it is and, and how to ID it. For sure. I think the big thing in that list that we need to add is what I said earlier is to teach thank you your kids and grandkids what it is. If if your kids walk, you know, the Midwest is a big area and there are lots of train tracks. So if you have your kids walk along the train tracks at night for something to do, everybody always like grabs leaves off of trees and goose around and we used to have forts in the woods along the train tracks. I mean, we used to, but never did we have this problem when, it, like John said, 30 years ago, it started becoming an issue. But nobody's been doing anything about it. And again, if we've got a bike trail, no matter how many helmets you put on them, elbow pads, knee pads, all this protective stuff, they are still going to be able to be exposed to this. And I think it is with your tax dollar. Somehow somebody's got to identify and oh, take care of yes, it. Yes, you have to educate them. Yeah. Just like don't do drugs. Well, penicillin's a drug. You can do that one. I'll do that. 
when I have a boo-boo. Anybody, you meant. anybody have anything else to add to our to finish off our July 4th conversation? Should we go light some fireworks? John, thank you. You have anything else you want to say to close it? Don't do drugs. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I love it. <laughs> All right, everybody. Uh, I, I agree. Let's not do drugs, and let's just call it a day. And please learn how to identify poison hemlock. Thanks for listening to your Midwest Garden. If you like today's conversation, please share this podcast with friends and family. And don't forget to click on the subscribe button so you won't miss any future episodes. Plus, if you have any show topics you'd like us to discuss, head on over to our sponsor's Facebook page, which is Black Diamond Garden Center, and message them your topic idea. For all of us at your Midwest Garden Podcast, I'm Michael Rourke, the Garden Guy. Hope you enjoyed today's conversation.